and that we leave extra behind for you. And in fact, you can have water where the workers go to get water. And, hey, at lunchtime, come and have lunch with us. Foreigners are rarely treated so well in Israel. All we can say is, this is a God thing. Ruth, in obedience, sees God's hand of providence working in her life. Boaz, in his obedience to God's law, sees indeed God's providence at work as well. And when Ruth goes home, she's got all this wheat. And Naomi says, man, where were you? Where'd you go? She goes, well, I was in this field. There's a guy named Boaz. Let me uh, work in his field. And she realizes Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. He is one in line who could be eligible to redeem Ruth and Naomi. Now, verse 25 ends with this phrase. So Ruth went home and she lived with her mother-in-law until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived there with her mother-in-law. The phrase means Ruth remained with Naomi and did not see Boaz until after the harvest. So there seems to be an unsettled end in the drama here as the harvest time comes to an end. But the lesson we learn is this. Often what may appear to us simply as coincidence is often the divine hand of God at work in silent and even ways we don't even notice until we turn around and we look back. The lesson is this, God's providence works in accord with the obedience of his people. In part two of the Suzanne Maurer story is this, she chose not to take the life within her and chose to give birth to the boy and raise the boy on her own, despite being disowned by her family and ostracized by people in the community. Well, it wasn't long after God brought a man into her life and despite having a child, the man took Suzanne and the boy and raised them as his own. And the young man named Darren grew up, went to Punahou here, got a scholarship to Stanford and on the basketball team, came to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And Darren eventually led Suzanne and her husband and the whole family to Jesus Christ. And Darren went on to graduate school at Dallas Seminary, where I met him. And he is now on staff with Campus Crusade, working with businessmen, being a great evangelist, being used by the Lord to touch hundreds of lives all over the world. And while at Punahou, Darren was friends with a young man, and they played basketball together. And both of them never got to play. They always just sat on the bench together. But... They became best buds, and Darren would pick him up every weekend, and they'd drive around Oahu looking for pickup games to play, and they spent hours together. And that young man's name was Barry Obama. So they became best buds, and when Barry became president, he called Darren, and he said, hey, get on an airplane. Meet me in Hawaii. Let's go play some hoops. And they would meet together and play hoops for hours, and Darren got to share Jesus Christ with the president of our United States. God blessed Suzanne because of her courageous obedience. And God's providence works in a accord with the obedience of his people. You want to see God work in your life? Obey him. Trust him in radical ways. In, even in the toughest of times. And you'll see God honoring your obedience and commitment to him. 
So even in the midst of sorrow, no matter how difficult times may seem, God's providence is always at work in our lives. We must seek it, even in dark times. So this afternoon, take some time to reflect on the providence of God in your life. God probably was moving and working in your life in ways you probably never even noticed till you turned around and looked back. So perhaps now is the time to turn around <laughs> and take a look and see all the times God worked where you probably missed his hand at work. Now, chapter 3, Naomi now recognizes what has happened. God has not abandoned her. In fact, God is at work. And this, all these coincidences coming together, it's not simply by chance. This is indeed the providence of God. And when God's providential hand is recognized, it's time to respond. So Naomi says in verse 1, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Some of your translations read, Should I not, I must secure a home for you. She was seeking a husband for Ruth, a permanent home for Ruth. Recognizing God's providence was at work now, Naomi doesn't simply sit passively. Once she recognizes God's moving hand, Naomi moves into action. So Naomi instructs Ruth to approach Boaz at night on the eve when he is winnowing his barley. And she says, in the night, go there and uncover his feet. What they hope will happen is the cool air will wake him up. And there at night, they can discuss these very sensitive matters. And so, Ruth being put in a very dangerous position now. You don't know how Boaz is going to respond. He could embarrass her. He could abuse her. He, you don't know. She puts herself in a very vulnerable position. But Ruth, at great risk, chooses to obey and goes. And she does so after the night of celebrating, winnowing the barley. He goes to rest in happy spirits. And Ruth uncovers his feet and lies at his feet. And in verse 8, it says here, At midnight, wouldn't you know, the man was suddenly startled and turned over and woke up. Wouldn't you know? What a coincidence. As luck would have it. Guy gets cold feet and he wakes up. And there he looks and there is a woman lying at his feet. And he says, who are you? And she says, I am Ruth. You are the kinsman redeemer. And she says, spread the corner of your garment over your maidservant. What Ruth was asking Boaz to do was redeem me, marry me. You are the kinsman redeemer. Her statement here, spread the corner of your garment over your maidservant. According to Ezekiel chapter 16, we know that Ruth was asking to be redeemed by Boaz. And states, you are indeed the kinsman redeemer. So instead of being embarrassed or angered, say, hey, how do you do that to me? Give me time to decide. Or He answers favorably. And he says to her, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Boaz was impressed, he says, by her last act is even greater than coming home with Naomi. What does he mean by that? Well, Ruth was sacrificing, not for her sake, but for Naomi's sake. 
Apparently, there were other younger men who had made offers to Ruth, but she turned them down. And notice Boaz calls her my daughter, showing you that there's a significant age difference between these two. So for the sake of Naomi and redeeming the family line of Naomi, she asks Boaz to redeem her. This was to keep the family line of Naomi going. So despite other offers of younger, perhaps even wealthier men, for the sake of Naomi, she chooses Boaz. She sets aside her own choice to provide an heir for her mother-in-law. This is the model of sacrificial love that Jesus teaches us throughout the gospel. So Boaz accepted her request because he knew of her exceptional exemplary reputation which had now been known throughout the land he says people saw Ruth in verse 11 as a worthy woman who gave up everything to take care of her aging mother-in-law and come to a foreign land well just when the happy ending seems to be coming there is an obstacle verse 12 he says and now it is true that I am a redeemer yet there is a redeemer nearer than I remain tonight and in the morning if he will redeem you good let him do it but if he is not willing to redeem you then as the Lord lives I will redeem you lie here until the morning well there's an obstacle here to the happy ending there is a kinsman redeemer who has first rights for Ruth one that's even closer to the family of Elimelech than Boaz Boaz being a man, you see here, Boaz is a man of tremendous integrity. A lesser man would have said, oh, okay, sure, let's settle this now, and got married. But Boaz says, hey, uh, you know what, I really want to do this, but there, according to God's law, there's someone even closer than I. And he must be given the first opportunity. That's tremendous integrity there. There's a man who's trusting in God, who said, you know what, I could do this, but... Hey, we're going to do it God's way and trust that if God wants this, he's going to make it happen. This is an obstacle that only God can resolve and move out of the way. And they're both trusting that if this is what God wants, he will make it happen. So close, yet so far. Right? The two are unable to wed. And the chapter ends with Ruth departing early in the morning as Boaz instructs her. And says, don't worry, I'm going to try and resolve this matter. But the lesson we learn is this. God's providence must be recognized and responded to by his people. There's a story of two businessmen in Illinois. And one day on the front porch of this little country store in Illinois, a small business owner stood with his partner. And the business was all but gone. And the partner asked the owner, how much longer can we keep this going? The owner answered, well, it looks like as if our business is just about winked out. Then he continued, you know, I wouldn't mind so much if I could just do what I wanted to do. I want to study law. I wouldn't mind so much if we could just sell everything we've got, pay all our bills, and have enough, just enough, so I can buy one book, Blackstone's Commentary on English Law. But I guess I can't. Well, at that moment, a strange-looking wagon came up the road. And the driver drove close to the store porch and he looked at the owner and said, I'm trying to move my family out west and I'm completely out of money. I've got a good barrel here that I could sell for 50 cents. The owner's eyes 
went along the wagon and he came to the wife looking at him pleadingly, her face emaciated. And so he slipped his hand into his pocket and took out his last 50 cents. And he said, I reckon I could use a good barrel. All day long, the barrel sat on the porch and his partner kept teasing him about it all day. Well, late in the evening, the businessman walked out and looked down into the barrel and he saw something at the bottom of it that he had never seen previously. He noticed a bunch of papers. So his long arms went down to the bottom of the barrel and he fumbled around and he hit something solid. He pulled out a book and stood dumbfounded. It was Blackstone's commentary on the English law. And the businessman would write in his diary, I stood there holding the book and looking up toward the heavens. There came a deep impression on me that God had something for me to do. And he was showing me now that I had to get ready for it. Why this miracle otherwise? So that businessman went on to read that book and went on to study law. And his name was Abraham Lincoln. When you recognize God's providence at work, it's time for us to respond. There's God's providence, but there's also human responsibility. When God moves, we must recognize his hand in action and be ready to respond. God carries out his work through believers who seize unexpected opportunities as gifts from God and respond. Now the story ends in chapter 4. Boaz goes to the gate of the city. And it's at the city gate everyone must pass through. And that's where important business transactions occur because that's where the elders of the city sit and make their rulings in front of witnesses. And everyone in the city must go to and fro through that gate. And the timing here is just uncanny. We see in verse 1, And Boaz had gone up there to the gate and sat down there. And just as he sat down, looking for the near kinsman redeemer, here's that phrase again, and behold, guess what? What timing? Wouldn't you know? The redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken of came by. What seems coincidence is once again the providential hand of God. And Boaz informs the man that Naomi has returned and is selling her property. And the man says, oh, he thinks about it and he realizes, you know what? If I redeem my cousin's land, that just expands my property. Hey, no loose situation. So he tells Boaz in verse 4, he says, I will then indeed redeem it. And everybody in the audience goes, oh, bummer. But what Boaz hasn't told him yet is what comes along with the land. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. What Boaz is saying is this, the day you acquire the property, Ruth comes with it. And Ruth's firstborn son, the land goes not to you, but to Ruth's firstborn son to perpetuate the line of Elimelech. The land won't be yours. But you'll have to care for Ruth and her child or her children as well. Well, this guy probably had other children. As, and so he says in verse 6, Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I 
cannot redeem it. So the man refuses and Boaz is then clear to marry Ruth. And there you see the match made in heaven. But the story doesn't end there. Ruth bears a son and they name him Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse becomes the father of David the king. Ruth then, because of her faithfulness, though being a foreign Gentile woman, is forever remembered as the great-grandmother of Israel's greatest king, King David. And also, she's in the line of the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. Because of her faithfulness, she receives this tremendous blessing from the Lord. Now, the story doesn't end there. Ruth's commitment to Naomi and love for Naomi, you got to read all the way to the end. It says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more than seven sons, has given birth to him. Ruth's firstborn son, she gives to Naomi. Notice what the text says. The woman said that the Lord has given you, Naomi, a son. Ruth surrenders her firstborn son and gives it to Naomi. That the line of Naomi and that family's line may continue. What a tremendous sacrifice that Ruth makes throughout the story. Giving up her homeland. Facing what looks like a hopeless future. Choosing to marry a significantly older man, Boaz, to perpetuate the line of Naomi. Finally giving birth to a firstborn son and giving him to Naomi. And it says, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. That's a way of saying Naomi took ownership of the child. And the firstborn child then belongs now to Naomi. Tremendous sacrifice by Ruth. She's one of those women. You go, wow, this woman's too good to be true. Hmm. But the lesson we learn is this. That God honors the faithful commitment of his people. God works through the obedience and loyalty of his people. And due to her faithfulness, God used Ruth to be a tremendous blessing not only to Naomi, but to all of Israel and to all of the world and when God's people are faithful and choose to follow him no matter what the cost may be trusting in his divine care and providence God uses faithful people to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God so God's hand of providence is always at work in our lives through the good and even through the bad times May knowing his providence and how it works inspire us to courageously obey him. And those who do will see God's providential hand at work in wonderful and fantastic ways. Let's pray together. Father, may we be faithful as Ruth was, trusting in your providential hand. Even when we don't understand or don't see it, may we always trust and obey you. And may everyone here experience the powerful providential hand 
of Jesus Christ in our lives always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.